0: Welcome Welcome in to to the the Vinyl Vinyl Community Community Podcast.
1: Podcast. What's up, buddies? Concert buddy. Thanks for joining me today. The presentation you're about to put eyes and ears on is a terrific conversation I had recently with someone from a different part of the vinyl community. What I mean by that is someone who is not the typical age and (laughs) demo of a lot of us in the community and that is a guy named Dylan over at the Record Spinner. Dylan's a younger guy but man he knows so much about music just the times I've interacted with him blows me away with just his recall and his subject matter expertise not just in a particular genre but just if you get talking on a topic he's going to bam bam hit you with a bunch of the, the fast facts which is always impressive especially for a guy who admittedly is will learn has only really been collecting vinyl since about 2014, and only been doing the YouTube thing since about 2018. So, we'll get into his background of learning about music, learning about the physical format of vinyl, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I also wanted to talk with Dylan because he works in a record shop. Which, if you're like me, sometimes you may daydream and wonder, man, wouldn't it be cool to work in a record shop, to own a record shop, all that stuff? So we kind of hear firsthand his experience of somebody who's super passionate about music who actually gets to work in the store and and sees a lot of the things that maybe you and I don't see through YouTube, through the message boards, through the readings that we may peruse from time to time. Anyway, it's a great conversation. I really appreciate Dylan for taking the time. Uh, Spoiler alert, you may be seeing and hearing more from Dylan on Vinyl Community Podcast. Cheap plug, bop, bop, bop. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation. It was a lot of fun. Let's get into it. Hey, buddies, it's Concert Buddy. I am joined by Dylan, the record spinner. Hello. If you've If you've watched any of uh, the content, either on my YouTube channel recently, or if you heard on the podcast, Dylan recently took part in a, a very thunderously fun panel. And so been looking forward to getting him back and kind of isolate and pick his brain, talk to him about all kinds of things, music and vinyl. So thanks for joining me, Dylan. Appreciate of you having course. me. Of course.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Cool. So let's kind of get into, uh, well... How I know you, and probably how a lot of the audience knows you, or if they don't, learning about you for the first time, like a lot of us dopes, uh, we're doing the vinyl community on YouTube thing, right? Um, That's true. How long have you had a channel on YouTube, and did you just go right into it, or did you kind of figure things out and then decide, Hey, I'm going to do this. Cause, cause I've noticed from afar, like you're very organized. You've got obviously your own email. Yeah, you got exactly. You're very, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think you do a video a week. I mean, you're pretty, pretty yes. consistent about your output and yes. uh, and all that kind of stuff. So tell me about your YouTube experience and where it started.
0: So, um, the record spinner started on new year's day in 2018. Um, I am not a believer in, um, new year's resolutions, but, the first of the year is always a good time to start something new.
1: Sure.
0: And for a while, like I had been talking about maybe wanting to start a YouTube channel, which is, which would prove to be an outlet for my passion for music and vinyl collecting, which I had been doing so since 2014. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, uh 2018 kicks in, I start making content, doing one video a week. And you know, for, it was a slow climb pretty much. Uh for 2 years I was just consistently putting out content, stuff that I would see other like um content creators doing, discussing certain subject matters while also talking about the music that I love. Sure. And, you know, it just kept doing that. And then in 2020, when COVID hit, I hit a thousand subs, got monetized, got sponsorships, and it's just been this uphill climb since then to where now this year in 2023, I celebrated my fifth anniversary within the YouTube model community. So it's been it's been an ongoing rise since then and it just continues to be, you know, going on the up.
1: No, it's awesome. I think then you just recently hit 6000 subs? Did I Something see that? like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I hit
0: 6000. I want to say sometime like last month and then and then I looked today just before I went on um I'm at like 6130. So they they say that once you hit 1000 like it just breezes on through and then here you know it took me 2 years to get to 1000 and then 3 years later here I am at 6000. So it's it's crazy.
1: It's interesting you say that because there's kind of this soft little hubbub right now in the community about that the, the youtube shorts and how people yes. are, are doing them and they're getting subs but then a lot of people myself included to a degree are pushing back and saying but are they good subs you know what i mean like, like growing organically and then i having understand. a built-in audience versus like just playing the numbers game where do you land on that one
0: um so it's funny i to be honest youtube shorts is the same thing as tiktok Sure. basically. So what? whatever I share on my TikTok profile, which obviously it all ties in with the channel, I just upload it direct to YouTube as well. And it's, and it's funny you say that because one of my most viewed videos as of lately was something that I just cobbled together. It was like a little vinyl <laughs> tag thing, show this record, show this record. And I'm like, oh, wow, there's all these views. And sure, I got subs, but it's like, are you really watching? So it's like, you know, the numbers look nice, but when you get down to the analytics, it's like, Hmm, I don't know about this. So, yeah,
1: well, it's funny you said that because I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, folks on YouTube can kind of relate is you put a lot of work in some of these videos and you're like really passionate about it. And then it, underperforms or you know what what in your mind it's not as successful as you think but then like you said you just put something together kind of like a spur of the moment and then it's rocket ship. it's
0: yeah 15 seconds later i'm just like really like (laughs) i put effort into this
1: (laughs) right right so 2018 when you started uh, had you been like like me my my journey i've been kind of lurking for a while before i was like hey i'm gonna do this and if so What were some of the channels that you really enjoyed watching that you really wanted to kind of connect with, uh, learn from, all that kind of stuff?
0: So at the time, I mean, I think for anyone that kind of starts out with starting a channel, Vinylize is one of the channels that everyone will probably reference. I was watching him a lot. Um, There was also um, Vinyl Rewind. um, Great guy out of California. I was watching a lot of his stuff. His analysis videos very much are like an influence for me when I do videos on in-depth topic, you know, sure. subject matters. Um, there was also another guy. Um, he went by the username Biosite site um, one. He was a big kiss man. He's not, he hasn't been doing videos for some time, so I would watch him. So yeah, you're right. I was kind of lurking for, I would say a, a good couple of years before I decided to kind of work up the courage and sit in front of the camera and just go at it. And, and so that's kind of how that, how my pre beginnings kind of stem from
1: and did it did, did your journey to youtube in the first place was it said you started collecting around 2014 if i heard that right yes was it was it more like looking for like-minded collectors learning mm-hmm. best practices uh new information that kind of thing is that what led you to youtube or was it just kind of like a it was going on her
0: basically learning whatever i was able to learn in regards to like what turntables were good what to use for storage whether it's outer sleeves inner sleeves but of course you know to get a general gist of you know what people are into because i think that's one of the distinguishable factors of the youtube vinyl community is that while let's say someone like myself might do a video discussing turntables and sleeves and accessories you know we all have our taste in music so i feel like all of us can be labeled as like the blank person like oh yeah that's the jazz guy that's the Mm. kiss guy how ironic and then all this and that so (laughs) so that's that's another way that i see it it's all you know subjective down to taste and that just kind of opens you know your world up to whatever it is that that other person is into
1: yeah no i can appreciate that uh one thing that uh viewers and listeners to our conversation here may know you from is something kind of you have kind of a unique lane because I think it's safe to say you're you're kind of against the grain, demographically speaking. You know, the vinyl community by large is I'm going to say it so you don't have to. Have a lot of older white guys, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So so here you, sure. you, you so here you are. You're the younger, you know, a different generation. I don't even mean, you know what you know generation you are or any of that stuff. But younger guy with you know tastes all over the place. But you're part of uh, a group that I recently found out. I'd say probably in the last year and a half, two years, called the the youngest members of the vinyl community. And it's Great. a lot, you know, folks similar in in your demo in your age demographic. Um, tell me about how that kind of came about and the people involved and all that kind of stuff.
0: <clears throat> so. It all started in 2020 when COVID happened and it was, you know, everyone was in quarantine and um, I was chummy with a guy by the name of Mike at Retrospin Spin Vinyl. Uh, he was doing collabs with a lot of people. Norman Maslow, Frank over at Channel 33. Like he was contacting everybody and anybody hmm. and and him and I, we had a bit of a correspondence. He he's based um, up north in Jersey. So, you know, Jersey guys, whatever. <laughs> um, he had done a collab with Emma at 8 Vinyl Low. And then we all kind of grouped together and we were like, that was the very, very first iteration of the youngest members. And then Marie got involved and then it became the four of us. And then all of a sudden Jenna came in the picture and it's just, it's, you know, ultimately it's, it's narrowed down to the four of us at this point um, without Mike, but, um, but it kind of just, we were this little group and we, you know, We were, you know, rather tight, you know, all throughout that year of 2020, Mm -hmm. we did our first meetup in 2021 in, um, in Nashville. And then we met up once again, last year in St. Louis. Great choice. Great choice. Yes, of course. Of course. And, um, and and it's funny because, like, you know, all of us have our own avenues of what we like, but there's always that common ground that we all can agree on. And aside from just liking the music, it's a it's a genuine friendship. It, it goes awesome. beyond the realm of music and vinyl collecting. And I can honestly say that, like, when I met those guys in person for the first time when we went to Nashville, it was just what i needed at that point in my life and it just proved that i want these guys around so i'm blessed to call them my best friends
1: no that's terrific i uh, I, you, you've done a really great job too because I, I believe the videos live on your channel but you've documented yes. both of these meetups nashville and st louis yes and to your point i mean I didn't know a lot about the YMOTVC. I'm going to use that acronym. I have to look at it to make sure I don't mispronounce it. But but when I watched the Nashville, I believe Melinda Murphy had referenced it in one of her videos. And I was like, okay, what is this? I'm curious. And so it led me down the rabbit hole. That's how I kind of learned about your channel. And to your point exactly, seeing when you guys first met up, like there was, it was definitely like very uh genuine and 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 honest and you were very like you know like i wouldn't say giddy is probably the wrong word but it was just like very it was just very sweet how you guys like were just jiving from the jump and like you said it was literally the first time you guys had met so yeah uh, so i'm happy to hear like that was like completely authentic because you know like some of these people are making you know like we've talked about this offline before but you know the people come into your your record shop which we'll get to in a little bit taking the pictures and stuff like you guys it it came across and it sounds like it's just very authentic yeah
0: yeah, it, it honestly, it was a, it was a beautiful thing that we hit it off right off the bat. And, and keep in mind, too, like we had done like various other collaborations on YouTube, sure. like via zoom and Skype. Um, and we've also done like zoom calls and such, like, w- one of the things um, that we do, um, I feel like we've mentioned them in our videos, when Christmas rolls around, we always get each other gifts. And we always do a big Christmas zoom call where we open up all those stuff that we get for each other. Awesome. And it's just, we maintain that connection. And plus, we have a group chat that we've literally it blows up every day so we are very much a part of each other's lives uh, just outside of the youtube realm one minute 37 seconds later going back to talking
1: about the community and that's one thing i've enjoyed is getting to connect with people directly and literally in person like you know brandon mr hall of fame uh billy hers uh matt sands and what i found very interesting is that fortunate for me a lot of these guys are are local right so I've I've been able to it's easier to travel whereas for your situation with the youngest members of the vinyl community maybe I'm misreading this wrong but you're a Jersey PA guy and you've had to travel to Nashville and you've had to travel to St. Louis oh yeah so I'm hoping maybe the third meetup and no spoilers or anything but hopefully the third meetup is
0: going to be a little bit more closer to where you reside (laughs) um I booked my flight (laughs) Fair enough, fair but enough. I can use my miles though. Use my oh. miles. <laughs> okay, okay,
1: good deal. That's awesome. Um, so, last thing on the youngest members. So, since you guys are kind of atypical in the demo per se, right? You know, again, I'll use it again. The older white guys. Oh, did you? There you are. Um, what what is your in- in impression of the vinyl community at large, especially like? Yeah, I don't know how I don't know what lands or channels or other people, you know, that sort of thing. But just just from your perspective, being I'm, I'm assuming under 30 and been collecting, you know, less than 10 years, it sounds like all those things. Like, what is your general impression yeah. of the the things you've seen, the people you've encountered, et cetera?
0: It is a unique um, congregation of people that for as varied as the taste may be, despite the similarities that you might find with other people that you're close with. There is one thing that binds us all together, and that's the love of music. And that music is a universal language that a lot of people can gel with. And I think that the YouTube vinyl community is a great outlet for yourself to be amongst your own kind, basically. So I I see it as just a great wide span of people that regardless of how different the tastes are or how similar it brings you together. And, you know, even like for myself, like if I was to watch a channel of someone that focuses in on a genre that I'm not too familiar with, I can dig the personality enough and actually be curious enough to check it out for myself. So, you know, it's still like a growing thing where I'm kind of mm-hmm. growing my musical palette more by discovering more stuff. So it's always a win-win. Sweet. So let's, let's dig into the r- the real minutia, the, the actual
1: record collecting. So since 2014, where, where did the inspiration to start collecting vinyl and music come from, and how big is your collection
0: size? Let's just kick it off there. So, my collection right now is at about 2,000 pieces. Okay. And... Ever since I was a kid, vinyl was always an interesting object that I was fixated on. And my dad, for a while, I mean, back in the day, like he was a record hound. Like he would always go to all the record stores in Philadelphia and collect bootlegs and things. And then once CDs came in, he converted, and that was it. Mm. Um, but he still had on to a lot of his um, his collection. So of course, I was able to in- appreciate that. But it really kicked into high gear. Um, in 2014 because of jack white and his label oh. third man records okay and seeing how far the limits of the format can be pushed is what intrigued me because for anyone out there that follows third man they've done all kinds of weird shit with vinyl they've done liquid filled records they've done records released by a helium balloon um <laughs> they've done 12 inches with seven inches inside like hologram so stuff intense. yeah yep yeah, and at the same that same year he released his album Lazaretto and the vinyl yes. pressing of that is a must-own for any vinyl lover because there's all kinds of bells and whistles. There's a record that plays, you know, inwards backwards, there's locked grooves on the labels, uh, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. Ho- floating holograms, dual intros like there's a lot of magic going on on that record that just it fascinated me and seeing that and what it was able to what can be done with the format is what made me want to collect it um and of course you know sound quality is always great and all there's the science when it comes to vinyl mastering but another reason why i love it is because it makes you appreciate the art of an album as a whole Sure, And that's something that I think tends to get lost every now and then. Um, I'm the kind of guy that just loves to sit down and take in a piece of work. And that's why vinyl for me in that respect is the best format that you can ask for for that.
1: It's really interesting you said that because I think in today's society, you know, there's a lot of distractions. Right. And I think you would think from the surface of convenience and accessibility that vinyl would kind of like not have a market because, you know, there's there's so much competition for our time and our attention span and that sort of thing but exactly what you're saying like vinyl does it physically requires you to yeah. turn it over it physically requires you to remove it from a sleeve you know that kind of stuff so it's kind of it's it's, it's interesting and i think i just saw something here recently it said vinyl outsold cds for the first time since like i 1987 saw that today. Yeah. or something right so it's it's just very interesting how it all is kind of organically come back around again and it's 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 younger people who have have really kind of helped float this boat because like you said there's people who changed with the formats they changed their records to cds or changed cds to streaming and some people held on to their vinyl or pieces of it like you said your father did um but to see this kind of resurgence in this in the face and in spite of competition for attention competition for time all that stuff i mean to be honest, sometimes I do listen to records, but I also may like read something, you know what I mean? It just kind of depends yeah. on the music. Right. But, sure. but, but yeah, I think the actual, like you're saying, not only the, the really cool stuff they're doing with vinyl, like talking about third man is a great example. Uh, not just the, the color variants or the, the, all the little stuff that third man does is really cool, but you know, the variants of, you know, obviously this is a marketing thing, but to get a different sure. outer sleeve at target or in these or all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. You know? So that's pretty wild. Um, so one thing we kind of talked about before we started was, and you're kind of wearing you're wearing a kiss shirt, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. Well, first of all, you want know, to tell the audience b- big news. I think it was this week, right?
0: You locked in. <laughs> why don't you tell the audience probably best part of your week? I will be there at the last show at the Garden on December second. Not the. Here's the thing. They're not labeling it the last show ever. (laughs) But look, at this point, look, age is catching up to them. So there's going to be a lot of poignancy behind this show. Um, I was very lucky to get a hold of a presale on Monday, the Kiss Army presale. And literally, I was clicking everything that was coming (laughs) up. And it took me 10 minutes to get something. And I just I, I said to myself. Whatever goes through is meant for me. So I I could have spent three figures on seats or I could have spent two figures. Spoiler. I have nosebleeds. I spent less than a hundred bucks. So it gets me in the building. So I, and, and a lot of people are going to be at this show. A lot of notable people in the kiss, you know, fan world, they will be there. And it's, it's, it's going to mean so much to just simply be present at that moment. And, um, just like Gene said, when, when he plays the last song, I will be crying like a six-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: funny. Now, again, and I've already exposed myself on our previous conversation. We did that live stream. I know some about Kiss, right? Is Do you think is this last show, is it going to be one of those opportunities? Because I've read some interviews about it where, where Gene and Paul said, you know, they're talking about maybe uh, Ace and Peter come up, you know, that kind of stuff. And they've kind of been like poo-pooing about. It. But I mean they have to come up for a, a song or two, right? Just to pay homage to give the fan service, but also their contribution they, to this.
0: They have to. Ace peter as well as bruce Kulick, i think he okay. was the guitar player the 80s going into the 90s they have to get them involved at some capacity whether it's come out at the very end for a big monster jam rock and roll all night everyone plays on stage or at least like every living member that's still around um or like have peter come out and sing beth or yes. whatever you know something has to be done you would hope just so to, you would
1: you know? hope so because i mean if you look at one example that came to mind when I was thinking about this was like Metallica's 30th they did in San Francisco. Yeah. And they had they had the original bass player, then they had Newstead came back, you know, so they, yeah. they were really big on fan service and I would like to think that after such a, a storied career and, and really leaning in on their fans, the Kiss Army, a lot that kind of stuff, that you would hope that they would do something like that, but when they, correct me if I'm wrong, when they got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I mean, they didn't have Ace and Peter up there or, or did I hear that wrong?
0: So the original four were inducted right and they went up and did, did their speeches, but usually with the with the Hall of Fame there's like they will perform something, they did not perform.
1: Right, and that's what I read at Paul it said it'd be a disservice to our guys who are have been in the band the last 20 years to then just have Ace and Peter I,
0: come I up. personally for myself, look, not to go off on a tangent, all the times <laughs> I've seen Kiss it's been with Tommy Fair and Eric Singer. In my opinion, they are worthy of wearing the makeup it's the characters that live within this brand this empire that gene and paul created yep. but even for myself for someone that has i idol- look let's let's face it the original catman and spaceman ace and peter it would be nice to see the original four play something together just given the fact that that is the roots of what this all became sure so i would like it if and if for some God knows reason it didn't happen, then you know what? I still got my money's worth.
1: That's fair. That's fair. So along those lines, being, you know, under 30 like you are, how did you connect with KISS? And and in general, like how do you how do you feel you connected with this these legacy artists that were well before your time, some before my time? You know what I mean?
0: That's a good question. So with KISS, um, in two thousand, and it's funny we're talking about the end of the road tour. Back when they did the farewell tour in 2000. <laughs> so it's all it's, about branding. You know, it's, it's all, all about words. The, the, as, as a rewriting of history, sort of, they call it like the farewell of the original lineup, which, sure, whatever. But anyways, um, <laughs> VH1 was the sponsor for that tour. Mm-hmm. And VH1, at the time when it was quality music entertainment, um, that was on all the time in my house when I was two years old going on three. And they would always run Kiss segments, and it just caught my eye because out of everything else that I was subjected to, like at the time, some of the big albums that came out were um, Santana's Supernatural with that uh, that hit single Rob Smooth, Thomas. With Rob yep. Thomas. Mm-hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers Californication. You know, I I would see music videos of all these bands that were dominating at the time, and yeah, you know, guys together in a band playing—that's cool. Kiss comes on TV, and I'm like, whoa makeup armor platform heels the music kicks ass i'm like i like that and you know it showed me the significance of giving people their money's worth simply and also it was the music got to me because like this whole movie footage of me like bopping around singing rock and roll all night and just you know loving it to death so it just became this continuous thing and you know like you know most people will say you know they're superheroes so i always looked up to those guys in that respect with the personas but of course the music was great and then as i got a little older you know seeing all the old concert films and then Mm -hmm. seeing them live finally my love for them just grew and grew and grew to the point now where with you know with what's going on with the end of the road and some of the other kiss events that have been going on i won't go in crazy detail about it it not in a way it rekindled my love, but it made me closer to them once again. And I always say that, like, you know, for as much as I've always loved the image and the music, if you look into the lyrics, the whole ideology of self-empowerment, believing in yourself, for someone who's in his mid-20s trying to navigate through the murky waters of adulthood, sometimes you need that affirmation. And Mm -hmm. that's where KISS comes into play for me on a personal level.
1: No, I love hearing that. That's really cool um so along those lines how do you find the the music of today in terms of like contemporary music because you know here you read some of these bylines rock is dead and, and that sort of thing and i don't feel it's that extreme i understand why some people would say that because it's not like it used to be where you just had some guys in a garage making music and taking on the world or going for chicks or whatever you know there's a lot a lot more competing interests it's harder to break through it's hard to break in Record labels also don't have the patience that they used to that to let bands cut their teeth and put a couple albums out and hit the road and really kind of hone their craft. It's a whole different ballgame. So all that said, where do you stand with new music compared to some of this legacy music they're
0: really into? So rock is the furthest thing from dead. There is great music out there. You just have to find it because in this day and age i mean sure you can take a band like greta van zeppelin i mean greta van fleet and see what i did there <laughs> I see um what I did there. you know look I, I like greta van fleet but i have a few bones to pick but anyways like sure like you know there's bands like that that are making their prominence and there's even that the italian band uh Mainskin, that has that song Beggin that's been really booming you know there's all those bands that are kind of almost you know tipping a nod to some of the older genres of the day and older artists uh but even like a lot of the smaller labels one of my favorites is uh writing easy records uh k- kind of like a-, a label for all like stoner and do metal type stuff there is a lot of great bands on that label and even with third man jack white's label there's a lot of great artists on there so mm-hmm. It's out there. You just have to find it. And unfortunately, just given how the industry is kind of run, you're not going to hear it on your resident, you know, rock terrestrial radio, radio that's right. why, that's where. That's why satellite radio sometimes is a good option or just simply just being in the know of, you know, music fan circles and just hearing about bands and things, which is where the YouTube vinyl community comes into play because if one person talks about it. It enables you to check it out for yourself and you learn something new and fresh.
1: Yeah. That's a great, that's a great uh, transition back to the YouTube piece because there has been a lot of music that I've discovered good and bad that I've gone down those rabbit holes (laughs) and and, and I've spent some money at record stores that in hindsight, I probably, eh, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. But, But it's exactly what, for the reasons you're saying, because terrestrial radio is so commercialized, so homogenized. I mean, it's you know it's the jack format it's top 40 like the true like what k rock and la used to be is not what it is now or even here in st louis we've got casey which is i think arguably one of the longest running rock stations in the country but even they're they're different you know what i mean because obviously they've been owned by three different conglomerates since then all that kind of stuff so yeah that seems to be the struggle is how to find these artists and conversely how do they break through the algorithm? How do they break through? Because a lot of it, for lack of a better word, is on them to kind of make themselves known. And it's, you know, get in a van and try to play everywhere and, and try to book
0: yourself. And it's, it, it's it, it, I think it could be pretty daunting
1: if you're a, a new band or new
0: artist. It's, it's very daunting given the climate that we're in right now, because right now touring is the biggest revenue stream for artists to that's really right. break it. They have to cut their teeth on the road and that's how they that's how they build but also on the other hand too we live in this world of social media where you have things like tiktok and this and that where a song can trend on there and that just blows up for example granted this band has been around for a long time the band ghost their song mary on a Cross" trending on tiktok and now oh, it's now like almost i i say this with all due respect a hot topic kind of crowd and it just it subjects a lot of people to it so mm-hmm. you know there's advantages to the new practices of marketing and social media that really does build up to a band's success outside of the usual avenues of whether it's sales touring streams whatever you want to call it
1: that no, it makes sense so that's a good transition so talking about new music old music uh one of the reasons i wanted to bring you on and really kind of dig deep with you is, is you work at a record store the, uh, yes, the rock the rock shop is that the name the rock shop that get is that right? correct yes perfect perfect three locations jersey pennsylvania all kind of stuff so yes i would think from the outside somebody is still getting to know you i would think that's got to be the that's a, a dream gig or a dream job right now at this point in your life is mm-hmm. that is that the case or is this something that you can see yourself doing for years or having your own shop or tell me what well, first of all tell me what you do there and then tell me you know in terms of being around music all the time is it is satisfying is it enjoyable as somebody from the outside would think or is it is it kind of blend it just depends on the day
0: um so i would say in terms of the experience it's been phenomenal i literally go to work and listen to music all day perfect Who would hate that? (laughs) So (laughs) seriously, but no, it's great. I mean, you know, and and the great thing too, is that, you know, when I started, you know, I got to meet a lot of the local clientele, the regulars, and they build up a rapport with you and it's great. It's just great for customer interactions and things Mm -hmm. as for, you know, if it's something that I would love to do, you know, it's funny, Marieke and I, in the youngest members group, we always talk about having a record store and could I see myself doing something among like our own imprint? maybe. Um, I've even t- thought about the idea of doing a record shop like long before I actually landed the job that I have now, just never really kind of followed through. It was just sure. an idea. Um, as of right now, you know, it, you know, I get a nice paycheck. It's a great gig. Um, I, to be honest, you know, retail is retail. regardless if it's a record store or you're working at a bookstore. Um, I'd like to be out of there at some point soon, given that I do, excuse me, have my business degree with Berkeley college of music. So it's kind of like a stepping stone, but I will say the record store does play a little bit of success with my YouTube career. People recognize me from videos that I've done Mm -hmm. people that, our customers there are aware of my channel and what I do. So, you know, it's a win-win on both sides, but, um, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm coming on almost two years there in May and, um, it, it's been fun.
1: So, so from the inside you've, you've seen, obviously the, the, I'm for lack of a word, vinyl resurgence kind of continue and grow kind yeah. of what we talked about before with that CDs figure since 1987, <clears throat> From the inside out, do you see any signs of this slowing down? Because obviously, price points are going up. Uh, supply chain issues seem like they've kind of gotten better, but there's still yeah. longer lead times. Particularly, unless you're unless you're like Taylor Swift or one of the big labels and you command capacities and and or have your own printing operation, sometimes lead times can be kind of a, a pain. So, do you see from the inside any the slowing
0: down at all? it's been a constant uprise and it's weird because you know you say it now and then you think a year later it's like yeah i don't know where it's going to be and then you as you live and experience it it's still going up one funny thing that i think some people might kind of like not notice but given the fact now if you watch like most like let's say films or maybe commercials there's turntables in them that tells you something yeah. Vinyl is being cemented back into the public consciousness of what is the thing right now. And what is driving this market is kids. Like you mentioned, two words, Taylor Swift, four <laughs> variants of the same album. They'll buy, them, buy all.
1: them all. That's right.
0: They will do it. I have seen it firsthand.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's well, um, so that's good news for people who are just getting into this or have been in, been in <laughs> it for a while. It's not, it's not slowing down anytime soon because I mean, it's like anything else i think it was last year there was word about you know universal was taking up their prices and you know like with any kind of mass market operation if one does it the other soon follow and they're testing price elasticity all that stuff and you know in fairness i've heard a lot of collectors this <laughs> year that i've talked to we all kind of say the same thing like maybe we're going to kind of be more conscientious with our or with our spend right you know what i mean quality sure. over quantity there's probably less risk-taking we were talking about that before like you know trying new things and that sort of thing but yeah now that in some instances a single lp is coming out plus 30 sometimes 40 dollars, depending on you know if they they'll throw in a gatefold or you know they'll they'll try to put a little it's kind of like a new car they'll put a, a little bells and whistles to help drive that price point up so it'll be interesting to see i mean i hope it continues only in the sense that i firmly believe that Without this resurgence, if you will, a lot of these titles that are from the back catalog and the vaults would not be seeing the light of day, and I think that benefits everybody because if you are somehow talking about satellite radio, you discover a, a Garrett Soracho, for example, uh, only put out <clears> one <throat> album, nineteen, you know, early nineteen seventies. The record store day committee <clears throat> elevates it and represses it, and now he's got a whole new audience. Like those little yeah. stories, I love hearing about because oh, yeah. I, because had this. Vinyl resurgence not really taking place, or at least to this scale, those stores would be few and far between. So, it's kind of a catch twenty two. Yeah, I don't want to pay more for a record, and yeah, Yeah. yeah, I've got some quality control issues with the industry as a whole. But at the same time, I wouldn't be getting some of this really new stuff, or I wouldn't be exposed, or have the opportunity to try some of this stuff because it wouldn't be getting pressed.
0: I think to kind kind of provide a counterpoint, the resurgence, I in my eyes, continues because of the interest. In regards to the price yeah inflation's a thing but my thing is if someone's willing to pay for it and, and like for example just to give some context sure. for me where i work at if i was to get any classic beatles album it cost me 23 to order and then the profit markup it's 34.99 mm-hmm. Some people will gladly pay for it, and if labels take notice of that, then it kind of gives them the advantage power of saying, oh, we can almost charge anything, which I don't think they're necessarily saying that verbatim. But you know that, that just goes with when it comes to th- talking about things of value, it is worth what one is willing to pay.
1: That's no, very true. I mean, if you go on – and it's a bad example, but it kind of belies the point. If you go on eBay, right? There'll be a lot of people, particularly if you go to record shows or you deal in a lot of used and a lot of people reference online prices, discogs, et cetera. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. There's some crazy pricing out there. Oh yeah. You're right. But at the end of the day, it's exactly what you said. It's only worth what somebody will pay for. And if somebody's selling a $40 record at 500, it's probably not going to move. But if they're closer to 40 or a hundred, you know, maybe they'll find that person. Who knows? Speaking of that, being in, in, in a record shop yourself, There's got to be some good stories. Like what's the, what's the craziest or most expensive record that you've actually laid eyes on. That's come through the shop during your time.
0: Ooh. Um, Oh geez. I mean, I've seen like some, I'm trying to think back before I started, there was talk of a massive blue note collection that was purchased. This was a little bit before my time. There were still some pieces there when I started, um, I'm really trying to think there was,
1: and I say that because while you think about it, I mean, I'm sure that the Led Zeppelin 2 uh, RLs come in, not all the time, but I'm sure that that's not super rare or a Beatles butcher cover in I, whatever state once in a while comes through.
0: I, I, so it's, I have seen a butcher cover once, not at the shop. I saw it at a record store that I went to, um, for an RL Led Zeppelin two, we had one come in. In like not graded condition and it was like a hundred dollars so like for our grading system if it's not graded it's just beat to crap but it's not bad enough to be in the bargain bin like yeah, it course. has some noteworthy value to right, it right. so so there was that um even like a lot of like newer like I, I will say this you know for as much as vintage pressings have their value which understandably so a lot of like the newer bands, how there's all these variants that are limited to like two or three hundred, you know, copies. Yep. We we'll get these in, and they go for like two, three hundred dollars. It's crazy. It is absolutely nuts. Which plays into the resurgence. If there's five colored copies, excuse me, of whatever, they'll buy it. <laughs> plain and simple it, it sucks when there's bells and whistles that are exclusive to one than other like the new ghost album that uh came out uh, roughly a year ago the indie version was on purple vinyl with stickers and then the web store was gold with a slip mat and then walmart had a poster and it's just like you guys are killing me
1: <laughs> hard to keep up yeah yeah you, yeah you literally have to do like market research to figure out yeah what are all the options and then i mean i'm sure you're like me dylan like i've bought multiple copies of the same album that did I need to no, but one had something that the other didn't have a poster, yep. a different cover. It's, it's interesting how they've, they've kind of picked our brains in the, in the yeah. collecting world like that. But yeah,
0: to anyone real. watching, don't suffer what we go through. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Brandon it makes doesn't a, end <laughs> talk,
1: talking about Brandon. He makes a good point. Like if you buy all these things, if you need to get off them, it's money on the shelf. So it's not, it's not the worst problem to have. If, you've got too much of something if you know disaster strikes or you need to comp- you know pool your resources to get one of those grail records if you will um sure that's awesome all right so appreciate the record point of view the record shot point of view let's just wind it down with the lightning round if you're if you're game for it these are just some yeah. very simple easy questions fun probably tie you back to some of the things we've already talked about but um along those lines, well, you're, particular collecting journey what was your favorite or most memorable find and that can be not necessarily but your most expensive record or the the record that you like said oh shit and i say this because watching the last uh, youngest members of the vinyl community meetup you guys went to a store near i believe it was near emma's hometown that you saw a, piece, a kiss piece that you were just like in awe
0: of. So I don't know if that's it, but yep, along those that, lines. To be honest, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> my in <bad>. terms of, <laughs> it, so just to provide just a small bit of context. So it was a vinyl pressing. Um, it was a 2003 pressing of Kiss Symphony Alive 4. Um, it's only gotten two official vinyl pressings: 2003, and then they did it in 2014 for the Kisteria box set, which is exclusive to the set. They didn't release. It, uh, separately um i said to myself on that trip i said i want to find two kiss grails i want to find sonic boom and kiss symphony Alive Four because those are like two big holes granted i have unofficial sonic booms but i want an official one of course uh, so sure enough saw it in a glass display case and it was one of, i remember i was like oh my god holy shit i want that oh my god like I, it was just genuine <laughs> so like even emma was like rolling the footage and you just see me like
1: yeah, like yeah.
0: like that, and it was so genuine. And look, I I paid two hundred dollars for that record, and it was the best twenty bucks well spent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I can appreciate that, and I it's can. Gratifying. Gratifying. It's, it's gratifying. Yeah, there there's no regrets, as, as as some people would say. That's it's right. awesome. Um, so along those lines, or a similar kind of question, if if I said you, Dylan, money is no object, licensing is no object, uh. It's just, there's no there's nothing there's no barriers to making this happen. What would be an album that you would love to see pressed to vinyl that's never had a vinyl treatment before?
0: Ooh, that is a good question. I am gonna go niche as hell with this, and okay. this kind of harps in with my childhood. One of my favorite book series was *Lemony Snicket's* series of unfortunate events, kind of gothic, steampunkish kind of vein. Um, there were for all the audiobooks that came out throughout the years, they would include a song that tied in with the plot of whichever book was in the series. Altogether there was 13. And it was Lemony Snicket himself, along with this guy named Stephen Merritt, who is a relatively well-known musician. They had a band called The Gothic Archies, and they put together all the songs from the audiobooks and they made an album called The Tragic Treasury. And it's out on CD. I downloaded it somewhere. And um, I, I, I saw the opportunity when they did the Netflix, you know, series. I'm like, that's a perfect opportunity to put yeah. that out. And they never did. So and and it's kind of like folky. It's kind of eh, lo-fi-ish in places. It's it's an interesting listen. Um, that's something that I would love to see just for pure nostalgic reasons. That's not out on vinyl at all.
1: No, I can appreciate that. That that makes me something I was gonna ask you earlier, but that's a that's a good lead into it. You you come across to me as somebody who has like this 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 rapid fire recall, which is really impressive. Like Robert Fiffin's another one with you know, just the little minutiae, the details that all that kind of stuff. Where does that come from? Because Robert's had a career in radio and you know it, it, when I talked to him, it started at a young age. I'm assuming it started at a young age with you just absorbing all of this information and and music appeal and music history at a young age.
0: It's And this is the God's honest truth. It just boils down to the fact that outside of music, there isn't really much interest (laughs) for me. Okay, Plain and simple. I mean, literally, like, I wake up, I listen to a record in the morning when I have my coffee, I listen to Apple Music on my ride to work, I listen to music all day when Mm. I come home, like like when I'm at work, and then when I come home, I'll spend something. You know, when it comes to the artists that I love, and, and you picked up on that right away, I become obsessed which sure. is why i mean and this isn't just like with kiss or pink floyd or whatever but like i love to learn about the inner workings because it makes me understand the context of what i'm listening to in terms of the history what was going on at the time it paints a full pi- a full picture i can't just listen to an album and say yeah that's a good album i got to know the inner workings mm. so that's simply just being passionate about it and like i said you know there isn't much else you know i live a very boring life you know with outside of music there isn't much here
1: <laughs> oh hey so, man
0: that's where it comes from
1: that's awesome um you know one thing and this is one of the lightning round questions talking about music live music in particular i heard recently jamie Lee curtis had kind of come out and said you know, and she's older. She's actually older than me, believe it or not. Listeners and viewers at home may may, may not believe that, but she is older than me. Um, she came out and had a really interesting idea, and it was kind of grounded in the theater world of matinees, right? Like if you go to Broadway, obviously they yeah, have the I, Broadway.
0: Show. Yeah, I think I saw something like this. So, so
1: yeah, so she 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 basically was was reaching out and saying, you know, artists like Bruce Springsteen, co-play artists that she would like to see. How about a matinee? Now you see this like on the festival circuit. There's not not the big bands, but you know you could see live music during the day. But what are your thoughts of this idea as as a what well, I'll, I'll self profess old cuz I'm getting older. I kind of love the idea because as I'm getting older, I, I used to live, I used to dine on live music in college. Sure. I'd go out all the time. Uh, even in my 30s, go out a lot. COVID happened, slowed that down, but now there's more of a barrier for whatever reason if it's a concert during the week and you got to get up and work in the morning. That's a drag, or if it's a Sunday night concert. So there's a lot of reasons in our minds, or at least in my mind, to not go sometimes. But this idea really kind of tickled me because that's a great question. You know, what what, what would stop a big artist from having a big show at I don't know? three o'clock, four o'clock, whatever. So what are your thoughts on that? Cause you're still in the vibrancy of, of life and, <laughs> and you, 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 you can go, you, you, know, you need an hour and a half of sleep and you're good to go. You
0: know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what do you think I, I about gonna, hearing this? I was going to say, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, all the shows I've ever been to were during the evening. <laughs> so, I mean, look, it has its advantages for those that have to get out the next morning. So like, I guess it depends within circumstance, but you know what though, make it distinguishly different from an evening show now that's not to say that bands would do two shows in one day because sure, back sure. in the 70s bands would do that all the time
1: well and comedians do it too i mean unless you're yeah. like a Chappelle or rock and you're yeah but even they if they if they're in the right venue like i know i saw dave Chappelle years ago and he was playing two shows he make it worth his while while he's in the town he's traveled to that sort of thing music's probably a little bit different because it's a little bit more taxing physically on the sure. vocals etc but
0: well, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's probably an, a profit thing from a business standpoint, because if, let's say, Dave Chappelle knows that he can do two shows and sell them out, he's going to damn well do them. Yep. And, and 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 honestly, you know, with Springsteen, given some of the backlash behind the ticket prices and this and that, he can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plain and simple. So uh, it's not a bad idea. and And plus, it gives you time in the evening to do whatever you need to do. So, you know.
1: Well, Jamie Lee, so wait, wait. Cur- Jamie Lee Curtis was speaking my love language. She's like, yeah, I'd love to be home and in bed by 730. Now that I'm not that <laughs> extreme, but I could appreciate that. So um cool. All right. Last two lightning round questions. We're almost home. What would you say going back to working in the record shop? What is your like biggest pet peeve of working in a record shop? Is It could be something related to the actual work you do. It could be something the customers do. It could be. When somebody comes in and thinks they've got black gold and it's a Herb Alpert whipped cream cover, and you got to break their heart and say, "Yeah, you're, you're not going to get anything for that."
0: Yeah, yeah, you unlock something to me there. Like, there's always those guys that, and and I feel like I don't know, when it comes to people that. See what's going on in the vinyl resurgence and what records go for. They tend to think that what they have is worth more. Generational wealth, it actually yes. is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, like, for example, today, like someone was like, "Yeah, I have a Rolling Stones, uh, some girls with the celebrity faces on the cover," and it's like, yeah. I mean, Ooh. we 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 kind of see those often, you know, things like that um i mean i will say though i mean it's it's a different ball game from how it was maybe 10 year 10 years ago to now because you can get a copy of rumors for like a dollar two dollars now you're paying 25 or 30 for a decent og roughly um so there's that and like and if they take offense to it it's like look you know if, if you want what it's worth sell it free market yeah N- name your price if you're trying to get it out of your hands we'll get you fast cash but understand it's a business we got to make our profits um that and then also like If a section is just manhandled, show (laughs) some respect to the product. (laughs) My God, like disorganization, all the records are for. I think you know what? No, that's a that's a pet peeve for any record store employee. Just to see everything just leaning out, and then like just some sections just get more abused than others. So it's just like Jesus, like it creates more work for us to have to reorganize it, and it detracts everything. You know, it's can of worms
1: no I, I could appreciate that because like some of the record stores i follow online noble records comes to mind yeah you know, it, it's a crime against humanity all the records Always, are for yeah. yeah but even you know it's funny like if i'm at a record show it's not just exclusive to record shops like people at the record show will go through records in this leave and you know the whole crate's about to tip over because all the weight is sh- i mean these it, people you I don't know. I think it, it comes to a nature or nurture and that's a whole nother conversation. I guess.
0: <laughs> Basically more of the story is show some respect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Don't, don't be a jerk. Cool. All right. Well, don't, we made it to homes. We are here. We're the, the precipice, the end of the lightning round. Yes. And I, we kind of touched on a little bit on it before, but this is the one I kind of thought about since you are younger persuasion, like in 10 years, you know, if you go on dates or whatever, they're like, Oh, which. What, what, what do you see yourself doing in five years? What's your five-year plan? Stuff? I was thinking about somebody like you who's, you know, just so passionate about music and working in a record store now. And, you know, like where, where could you, not where would you, where could you see yourself in 10 years? Is it owning a record shop? Is it working in the music industry in some capacity? Because you talked about your degree, that sort of thing? Yes.
0: So I will say this, and this is the beautiful thing of starting out on YouTube, is that the record spinner is an umbrella for whatever it is that i do um i do dabble a little bit in journalism i write for a website called vw music um real briefly um last summer when i was on when i was in saint louis i was writing articles while i was in bed because there was this big massive kiss video dump that was going on whole backstory behind it we don't have to go into crazy detail but i was writing a bunch there and i was also writing album reviews conducting interviews and obviously my column is called the Record Spinner. Um, I won't discuss this matter too much. Um, it, it didn't evolve into anything, but I was in contact with a local radio station. Um, and I was going to have my segment be a record spinner, rock block, whatever it was going to be called. And then the logistics of it just didn't really kind of get off the ground. So working in the realm of radio is another thing too. Um, when it comes to my sponsorships, people look at me as an influencer. Now, what avenues of work that can lead into is whatever. Um, I still see myself being involved with the vinyl format and music in general um, at some capacity in the enter- in the multimedia business, basically, because that's okay. more or less what I do between film and videos, writing and wanting to do something in the radio realm and broadcasting, which I have some ideas for a, a, a prospect that you'll see when that happens. <laughs> 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 I'm cooking up something. So, oh, cool. um, but in ter- uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe a store maybe have my own it's it's the store aspect is one of those what ifs because i've been doing retail for almost what 10 years i want to enjoy my holidays (laughs) seriously (laughs) well it's
1: funny you said that because it seems to be a common thread from the the shop owners i know and the ones i've noticed from afar that if you own the shop it all starts and stops with you and you got to be hitting the pavement getting those collections falling up on those leads and well, I'm sure it's rewarding, and, and you sure it's helped build a great collection because you see the things that sometimes don't even make it to the floor. It seems like a lot of work, and that's been something – because my wife has been saying, like, why don't you open a shop? And, and you know, like, Billy did it and all these other people, and, and the reality is for, – for different reasons, but the reality is it's a ton of work, and it, I I would not want my passion to be dampened and all for music as a whole – um, sure. By making it really feel like work, because it will be work. There's no doubt about it. Now, you know, there's the people that say that thing, oh, if you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Tell that somebody who's working 12 hour
0: days <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Missing holidays, right? See, that's a valid point right there. But do you know what keeps my love for vinyl and the whole thing itself thriving while working in a record store? Discounts. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always nice. <laughs> no. Do you know what it is? No. Shoot. Go into other record stores. Oh, okay. Getting out of the norm. There's a number of record stores in my neck of the woods that I will gladly make the pilgrimage out to. And it makes me enjoy my job just slightly more (laughs) plain and simple. While my job has all the advantages, I still always show my love to the other shops. And plus, sometimes, you know, depending on demographics, some people might have stuff that they'll bring in there that I never really see at my shop. So you never know. There's always that variable.
1: So let's put a cherry on top of this Sunday because you made me think of something talking yes. about going to other shops. What would you yes. say outside your, your, your normal market and call it by say tri-state what's the, the, the coolest shop that you've seen through
0: traveling? Obviously third man records was one. Okay. Um, there was another shop that I went to in Nashville with the youngest members. I think it was called the groove. I believe okay. the next, I forgive me if the name is wrong, but it was a record store set up inside a house. Was it was go- it
1: Grimey's? No, it wasn't, no, wasn't. Grimey's. We okay. we did go to
0: Grimey's though. Okay. Grimey's was cool. Okay. but it, it was a place called. I think it was called the Groove. I, I I might have the name wrong. I apologize. But if you watch if you watch the documentary, you'll see it. <laughs> but um, they completely like gutted out the house and they turned it into a a retail storefront. So that okay. was cool. I'm trying to think about St. Louis. The coolest shop. At, uh, Riverbend Records. Oh, naturally. Naturally. B- Billy's shop was awesome. I picked up his album that he had for sale there, the Kiss Pinball Machine. I dropped some good cash there. <laughs> uh, great selection. Um, I'm trying to think of what uh, vintage vinyl in St. Louis was great too. I was just there tonight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was another. What was the other shop? Uh, when I was in Las Vegas, I went to uh, Zia Records, Zia. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was great. Um, got the Rabbit Hole Records and. Um, it's in pennsylvania the the town is escaping in greensburg pennsylvania it's this little like hole in the wall type place you can go go down these stairs it's right underneath underground it's it's a really cool shop um places like that and and that's one of the things like i love too like if i travel out to a new area you know i will scope out the shops and just you know obviously it's a video making opportunity but also it gets me <laughs> out and, and it makes me uh, check out and see what's there
1: yeah no I, I'm same way anytime i travel for work pleasure whatever I do like to map out record stores. It's not a must, but it kind of is. Only for kind of what you're talking about, it gets you to different places you probably wouldn't normally expose yourself to. And there's a lot. And yeah, finding cool records is is you know awesome. But sometimes it's just getting out because a lot of times these record stores are in in very cultured, very uh, vibrant parts of town. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're like holes in the wall. But it at least gets you to explore, and that's what I've always enjoyed. One of the things I've enjoyed the most is the journey as part of collecting.
0: Oh, hands down. I mean, hell, when I was in Las Vegas uh, for my best friend's wedding, I was like, "All right, I will gladly make the ten-minute drive just out to like a more suburban area to go to Zia, just to get get out from Caesars and the Rio, and just you know see that." And and even like when I was in Greensburg, I picked up a couple records by local artists that were there. So it's cool to you know have it be centered around what your surroundings are. So that's the it's it's like a travel log almost.
1: For sure. cool. Well, Dylan, we made it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this chat and getting to know you better. Um, Of course. Thank you again, Dylan. It's over at the record spinner on youtube what was the the website that you write for you want to plug that too
0: yes yeah, so i write for a website it's it's the website is called vw music but i believe the url is vwmusicrocks.com mm-hmm. um you can find my column there i've done plenty of kiss content i've reviewed albums that have come out in the past year i've done some interviews and this and that so that's up there and then yeah obviously i'm on youtube i upload uh, new content every friday along with the occasional weekend. I'll dropping on boxing or a guitar vocal cover since I am also a musician. So okay. always there's always surprise dropping. So keep your eyes peeled.
1: Awesome, man. Well, again, thanks for the time and uh, hopefully we'll catch you again on the uh, Concert Buddy slash Vinyl Community Podcast slash yes. wherever you see or hear this, man. Enjoy <laughs> the time. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you. And that was another trip around the turntable. Thanks for listening to Vinyl Community Podcasts.